Hi, everyone. Welcome to Youth Political Talk. We have a very special guest today. We have Michelle Siegel, who is running for PA Senate District 27. And she's going to be here to tell a little, us a little bit about her backgrounds and what she's going to do to support young people in the district. So thank you so much for coming on, Michelle. Thank you so much again for having me. And so I would love to hear, you know, about your background and what your goals are for running. So I um, born and raised right in central Pennsylvania. Um, I um, graduated the top of my class from um, Sealand Scorvary High School. And then I went to Susquehanna University and graduated summa cum laude um, in earth and environmental science BS. So um, basically, the reason I am running is I, I grew up, you know, right, right here playing in the woods. My grandmother was always taking me for walks in the woods. Um, she is part Native American. She's a big, it was a big conservationist, really big on trying to show me um, what could be used in the environment, uh, how to pick tea berries. Um, she could show me how to find walking sticks on trees, which I thought was just like magic as a kid, you know? So the one day, um, she was walking me around and it's, you know, we're deep in the woods. And then she walks me to the top of the hill and it was, there's, it was no trees. It was just clear cut. And there was just this, um, body of water. It looked like a lake. And I asked my grandmother what it was. And she said it was death. Now growing up at my grandparents' house, you could not drink the water. You could wash your hands and, and bathe with it, bathe with it, but you could not ingest it. Um, it would, sting your nose because it was that sulfuric if you turn the faucets on. And we had to drink the Tulpahulkin water that was provided from the coal company. Um, when my grandmother finally passed away, the um, company actually came in and said, nobody can live on this land again. That's how bad and toxic it is. And my grandfather got colon cancer, battled it his entire life. My uncle was a mechanic he was a hardworking blue collar guy, didn't really ask much for, out of life. And he didn't have great health insurance, obviously, because that's the way we treat rural people and a lot of people of this country, unfortunately. And his um, ulcerative colitis left untreated turned into cancer and he died in his fifties from drinking water. So I've seen firsthand what is going on in this country and how uh, people are being treated for um, by greedy industry. And I was a, a youth leader. I volunteered for a um, summer musical program. I was the music program coordinator where I work with children from um, kindergarten through sixth grade. Um, I wrote a musical about climate change. It was called Alice in Climate Land, um, trying to explain to kids about climate change in a way that they could understand. And the one day when I was youth leader, I was watching my son and all of these kids playing together. And it was beautiful and all the parents were smiling. And, but for me, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Who's thinking about their future in, in legislation in Harrisburg and government. And I went home and said to my husband, I wanna run for office. And, you know, he's just kind of like, what? That, you know, Democrats don't typically run. And, but he's like, you know what? If you're gonna do it, then you need to do it and be committed. And we're in this together. And, and, and that's, that's why I'm doing this for my kid, for all the kids, 
for all the youth that have just had enough and need somebody to stick up for them. So that's that's why I'm doing this. And my message is is it's about the environment. It's about getting people healthcare. It's about you know helping with the student loans problems. That is just, I mean, I nobody should be in this much debt from graduating from college. It's it's stuff has to change. And 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 that's that's why I'm running. That's incredible. And and it's you're right. I mean, there's so many young people who aren't you know, old enough to run for office themselves. They might be in, in, in middle school or high school and there really is no one there to advocate for them, you know, in Harrisburg. We always think about national levels and we often forget about how important the state state races are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I the, the, the state of Pennsylvania is in such financial distress. Our Public education is ranked 46th in state funding. Um, that's an embarrassment as a mother of a nine-year-old child that's in public school right now. And uh, watching our teachers uh, try to teach these kids during a pandemic and knowing that they're um, being paid crumbs. And the person that I'm running against is responsible for some of that. Um, he told teachers in, in 2011, I believe, that it was a shared sacrifice, the pay cut. Um, mm -hmm. I have never seen him give himself a pay cut. And it's just, it, it's unacceptable. We're rated third worst, you know, in the top three worst for air quality and water quality in Pennsylvania. And it, in the Pennsylvania constitution, article one, section 27, it says we have the right to clean air, water and public lands for now and generations to come. And that part is key. So when you have an industry that is basically running our government, like they are in Pennsylvania, the fracking industry, they're not thinking about our future. They are changing the definition of pollution so they can dump that fracking water in our rivers. And they have changed the, they're working on changing the definition of recycling so that they can allow burning of uh, single use plastics. That's what's happening. That's what they're legislating in Pennsylvania. They're not trying to help your healthcare. They're not trying to get you um, more pay. They're not trying to save our hospitals. They're not, they're legislating for an industry. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about, you know, specific policies. So when we're thinking about, you know, what you might do when you are in office, what are some policies and things that you would, that you really want to focus on and, and get past? So the, um, the, the platform that I'm working on is it's a rural bill of rights. So it's, it's, you know, very FDR-ish in, in principle here. Um, it's something that I believe rural people need addressed, but these are things that anybody in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania or anybody in, in, in the United States of America could benefit from. So first one is access to hospitals and healthcare. In rural, they are shutting down our hospitals constantly. It is, it's, it, it, we call it like, but in our team, the extraction state, it's just, it's forcing us to have to go to um, further and further distance to getting type of care. Obviously healthcare is, is, is dismal in, in rural. People are falling through the cracks like my uncle. Uh, access to broadband and cell phone services. We have um, close to a million people in Pennsylvania that do not have reliable broadband. Um, the majority of those are in rural. When that initial um, shelter in place happened in Pennsylvania, I talked to a lot of moms that, you know, we were supposed to homeschool our kids. I didn't have, I couldn't do it because I didn't have broadband. So, you know, we were ill-equipped from this situation because our government has been ignoring that issue and broadband in rural is something rural people 
way before the pandemic ever hit, knew was a problem. I mean, I was at a chamber event in, in 2019 where small business owners sat there and said, you don't get broadband here, we're leaving. I can't stay. And now you, 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 we're in a pandemic where people are supposed to be teleworking and the companies can't do that because we didn't, the government didn't do its job. Um, cell phone services too. Like I know a lot of more urban areas and stuff like that, that's something they don't really think about around here. I, you know, I have a friend specifically that lives in a very um, rural area of Snyder County. When he needs to use his cell phone, he has to go out on top of his hill and hold his phone up in the air. So you can imagine if you were in an emergency or something like that, that this is, this is detrimental to people. Um, access to public transportation. So we used to have public, public transportation in, in rural. We used to have busing. We used to have a train system. It's gone. And how can a working family get anywhere if you can't afford a car? How, how can you do this? How can somebody that's trying to elevate themselves in life get to a job interview if they don't have a car? How can they apply for that application for the job interview if they don't have broadband? So you can see like this, the thing about the Rural Bill of Rights is it, it the things kind of overlap with each other and they build on each other. And you can see like, it's highlighting the stuff that our system is not doing. Um, investment in public education, I said earlier, we're ranked 46. Um, it, it's, it, it's upsetting here to find out a lot about what is actually going with the funding. Like a public school district in Pennsylvania has to provide busing for a for-profit charter and it comes out of their budget. Now, why is, why is that okay? That money, like, and the thing is about rural is some of these kids are on, on buses for hours. These aren't, these aren't five minute drives. So that, that school district is gonna be paying for the gas. It's gonna be everything to get that student to a, to a for-profit charter that could be an hour's drive. It's, it's unacceptable. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't have the choice and ability to go to a different school. I'd be firmly fine with working out some of the program like a tax credit or something to allow that, but we can't be diverting public school funds to things that aren't public school related. <laughs> um, protection and growth of family farms is number five. Kristen, who's my campaign manager actually came from a family of dairy farmers. Um, what happened to my grandparents actually happened to the farm right by. Um, their well is polluted. I talked to that farmer recently. He said his uh, water still stinks. He um, has three children that are uh, like about 12 and under. His family farm has been in the family for, I think it was close to 200 years, I believe he said. And he looked at his children and looked at me and said, I don't know if I'm going to it, leave it to him. It's, it, it's too much. And, and that's, that's sad. And he also told me that um, he had the fracking company come through, claim eminent domain to his farmland, and they they came in and put the line through, which he, you know, he didn't really have much choice, but he all he asked them simply was, take that topsoil and put it on a pile so that when this is all done, I can spread that topsoil back down because once you start mixing topsoil and subsoils, it loses its nutrient quality. And a lot of central PA land and farmland is, is A1 top ranked, which is the best soil in the world. We don't talk about that enough here in rural. And he pointed out to his, his, his farmland, he said, you see all those splotches? They didn't listen to me. I can't ever grow there again. 
So you can see this is going to spiral into food shortages down the road. This is this is not you know it's not it's it's yeah it's aesthetically not pleasing to see these spots, but it's to me it it's it rips at your heart because that's food that's missing, right? That's the problem here. And he said we've been so divided by corporate farming. You know, we we local farmers used to be united. We used to work together when we had an issue, and we've been so divided. He's like, I, I just you, you don't want to fight anymore. And that breaks my heart when you hear that dairy farmers are one of the highest um, suicides in, in, in Pennsylvania right now. It, it's just something has to change. We need to tr protect these family farms because they helped build this country and they shouldn't be pushed out of, out of their livelihood. Um, Number uh, six is access to jobs and worker protections. So, I mean, the, the, the thing about the district that I'm running in, the, the businesses are closing. They've been closing even before the pandemic, but now that the pandemic hit and we have not done anything to address it, they're dropping like flies. And that's job loss, right? And we, we need these worker protections. They, you know, we needed the PPE, we needed the hazard pay. Our legislature in, in, in Harrisburg did not pass them. Um, and now we are in the mess that we're in. When you see, you know, Amazon just reported that they had 19,000 COVID cases. You know, when, when the initial thing happened, we had all those meatpacking plants, right, where huge outbreaks were happening because they weren't getting these people what they needed to get through it. And what, what I don't think people um, understand is they hear worker protections and they, they immediately like, you know, they think, oh, pro worker, pro worker, but protecting workers also protects your small businesses. And that gets lost here, right? Because there's liability issues and stuff going on where the CDC, you know, provided guidelines and insurers said, like, if these guidelines aren't followed, you're, you, we will not cover you and you're, you're, you're liable. So part of this stuff is, is protects the business owner too. And that gets lost in this conversation. You know, it's, it's, it's something that we, we need to do better. We need to, to, to protect and get people jobs. I have a, a nine-year-old little boy. I would the 27th district to be thriving so that when he goes to college, he comes back here and wants to live, right? It, you know, the thing is my, my campaign manager and I, not typically normal, you know, most people that go to college, they don't come back to this community. And that's a shame because you're the, the younger generation's voice, you're the work base coming up. And if you're not in my community working and, and building it, that base up and building that tax base up, like, what are we doing? It's, 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 you're watching communities just fall apart. And it's because we're not, we're not bringing uh, good, you know, good jobs back into this district. We're not, you know, I'd like to see a community college in this area. I'd like to see more trade schools in this area. Let we, you know, investing in, in good jobs and in protecting workers will build back the middle class. And I, I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, number seven is infrastructure investment. So in, I think it was 2013, was the uh, wholesale gas tax, which they basically did is they repealed a 12 cent cap in the Pennsylvania constitution that says you could not be taxed more than that. And now in Pennsylvania, you are paying 80 cents. So for every $10 of gas, you are paying $8 in tax. That's to working people that can barely put $2 of gas in their tank. 
how can you do this? And the, the, the reason they said they wanted to do this was it was going to build back um, the roads and, and it, you know, build some projects to, to fix some of these infrastructure issues. Um, there's basically one major one that was happening in the 27 districts, but we still have potholes. They're still laying off PennDOT. We found out that money, um, the Auditor General did a, a check into it, that money was not going where it was supposed to. Over $4 billion was going other places. So, and the thing that needs to be emphasized here is if you look at the PA constitution, it says that anything that is mined from the ground in the liquid state goes to infrastructure. And I believe the process they use to mine the, the natural gas puts it in a liquid state to take it out of the ground. If they would have put a severance tax on the fracking industry, we are the only state in the United States that does not do this. That money would have come from there and not out of working people's pockets. And I cannot emphasize that enough because my opponent tried to lie his way out of that. And it, it, I'm not saying that we don't need infrastructure investment. What we do is to properly fund infrastructure and make sure that money stays in the projects it's supposed to. You know, PennDOT is um, laying off workers and, 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 you know, my opponent, what was the, the, the worst thing about the, the first interaction I've had about my opponent was when he was trying to take credit from the thing our hardworking PennDOT people actually built. You didn't, you didn't build that um, bypass. Working people built that bypass. You legislated. And, and yeah, you can take a little credit for that, but don't give yourself credit for the project. That's, that is what, that is when government and, and we, you know, that's when you become a politician, right? You are no longer a public servant when you start taking credit for things that your heart, your hands did not build. And, and that I have a big, big problem with because um, my dad was a, um, he started installed garage doors for a living and he, he worked with his hands. Um, so that was infrastructure investment. Number eight is support of local businesses. As I was saying, like supporting workers right now would, would help local businesses. I, I mean, people are missing something when, when we have all this deflection going on during, during the pandemic. Something that, that has not been emphasized enough here is we wouldn't be at, at these capacity restrictions and stuff like that had we got these companies and these businesses, the HVAC system upgrades that they needed. That is why we are where we are. And we are not solving the problem when we just point fingers, right? We have a problem, let's address it. What, what I think is the number two travesty about the whole pandemic is besides the, the death that I just breaks my heart every day when I look at the news is the fact that we didn't use this as an opportunity to invigorate American ingenuity. We did it um, in the Great Depression. We did it in World War II. We all came together. We sacrificed a little bit. You know, my grandparents were telling me there were cars up on cinder blocks where, you know, cause people were donating rubber to the government. Um, you know, there was nylon shortages. So women were only, you could only have so much. The same thing with shoes. My grandmother said there were, sh you know, shoe shortages. We could have taken this as an opportunity to, to make a huge, um, we could have created jobs. We could have, we could have built businesses and now we are watching them die. And 
that that's getting lost here. And it's just, we need to do better to support small businesses. And I, I, I think that I would be a great person that could advocate for a small business owner. Cause I grew up in a family with them. My, my, my grandfather was a small business owner and the other side of my family was laborers. So I've seen both sides of this, of the same coin. And I don't think that they're enemies. The enemies are the corporations that are making tons of money and, and, and um, to the detriment of our small businesses and workers. Um, so number nine is access to clean air, water, and land, um, which is what I talked about earlier. We have this right in Pennsylvania. I believe we're one of, one of a couple of states that actually has that in their constitution. And we're not, we're not doing it. We're not securing this, this land and this water and this air so that, excuse me, so that my son, um, so that my son is healthy and, and not worried that I'm not worried about the water he drinks. You know, that's, I'm not worried about the water because I do worry about that. And that's, that is the difference I think for me than a lot of uh, some people that run. All I think about is, you know, how is this going to affect my kid? And how is this going to affect the other kids that I've worked with? And how is this going to affect our children for the future and our people in college and people in high school and middle school? Because you all are taking, this country is yours, right? It's, 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 you know, you're going to inherit it soon. And I want to make sure that it's here for you. And number 10 is upholding of the PA and U.S. constitutions. Now, some people are like, why do you bring this in? Why do you bring this in? Well, first thing is, I like to point out that Pennsylvania in, in the constitution is a commonwealth. It's actually not a state. Um, it, it's for the public good that gets lost a lot. We don't emphasize that enough. Um, the other thing is, I don't also think we do enough um, in legislation to understand how government is supposed to work, that we have three branches, that there are checks and balances, and we need to be cognizant of what you can and cannot do constitutionally in legislation. And that's why I'm putting that in that in there, because I think we, we need to do a better job um, understanding what people's rights are, understanding that things need to be equitable. And, and so that's, that's what they last one. So that, that is my platform. That is if I was in office. And again, I have other things like obvious cannabis and all that stuff is you can check out my website. All that is on there, you know, um, trying to get um, open primaries, ranked choice voting, stuff like that too. Um, but that for as, as a, as, as a main policy focus, those are the things that I think would do the most help, um, for rural people right now and, and, and anybody in the Commonwealth. That's incredible. And I mean, the, the way that you've, that you've outlined it, I mean, I, people don't read the PA constitution and it's, and it's even thinking about, um, being in school, it's not it's not taught. People don't know enough about Pennsylvania how how the government works. And you made a really great point about everything really coming full circle. Everything goes in a circle. The economy impacts healthcare, and healthcare impacts uh, jobs, and 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 everything is is so connected. And that's I think what PA has been missing because we view everything as these separate separate entities and never together. Yeah, I mean that's. That's something that's incredibly important. Is like, I think the uh, honestly, and she's not saying you know she's she's muted right now, but Kristen is the one that has really opened my eyes to understand how like what will pass the courts and won't, and that is something I don't think I've paid enough attention to. So I'm I'm much more cognizant of that and thinking like 
Would that pass the courts? Would that stand up in a court of law? Um, should the legislature be allowed to, to do a bill like that? That's the kind of things that um, I think we all need to, to be thinking about more when we're in government so that we're protecting the, the founding principles of, of, of our um, representative government. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, when we think more broadly about youth in, in the district, um, you know, you, you talked about um, a lot of young people leaving and that I think that's, that, that's so true of, of, of everything that happens in Pennsylvania. Um, what are some things that you might do to get youth in, engaged um, when you are in office, um, in, your, in your office, in your district? Um, maybe it's internships, volunteer opportunities, how, how much you keep everyone engaged? So I, I think that my office would be a lot different than most offices down in Harrisburg because I want a real open door policy. I want to volunteer in my community. I'd like to see us have days where we go out and help clean the river up. I'd like to see us have days where we go to schools and volunteer. We need a, a representative that's actually going to show up in their community and I would invite um, college interns. I would invite high school interns. And I, I would wanna, the difference, see, I actually wanna be a public servant. And that means listening to everybody. And that means listening to every age and, and listening to their issues and figure out how can we address them effectively. And that means bringing a youth voice to the table. And I'm 39 years old, so I'm right in the middle I, I know I've, I hear the concerns of younger generations. I hear the concerns of older generations. They're actually not that different. They're just saying them in different ways. And, you know, it would be nice to have a, a, a forum, a day where we have, you know, a youth and aging event where, we, we, where everybody sits down the table and says, what can we do so we come together so these issues are addressed and that we're not butting heads. Like I, I have such an issue with how how fractured we're becoming. That, that's just something that it's not healthy. It's not good for this country. And yeah, I absolutely. Internships, you know, open door policy, anything that I could do and advocate for, for the people that are gonna grow up and, and inherit the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Incredible. Is there anything else that you would want young people in your district to know when they get out the vote? Um, in less than a month, which is, which is definitely crazy that we're so close to that. Um, I am the granddaughter of two World War II veterans and they were um, very conservative people, but they also warned me when I saw things that didn't look right in my state or my country, sometimes people get called up to do things they didn't expect to do. And that's why I'm doing this. And I and right now, our country is calling you up to, to take on probably the most important election in the history of our country. And we need to start remembering and fighting for the things that need to get done so we can make this country what my grandparents fought to protect. And, and that's why I'm asking you all to, to step up this election and, and come out and vote and, and remember that this, this is you, you know, the founders put the power in the voter. 
You have the choice and it's going to be a tough election. I get that, we're aware, but we can't give up. We can't get deterred. We have to fight and we have to do that with our vote. And I think it was John Lewis said the most powerful nonviolent tool we have is voting. And that's what we need to do. Incredible. We need we need someone like you um, in, in Harrisburg and, and really to be someone that understands, especially the environmental concerns that young people have, because how can we plan our future when we're unsure if we will have a place to live in? So thank you so much for everything that you're doing and for running. And, um, you know, we will we will support you in any way that we can. Well, thank you again. Thank you all so much for, for listening and, and thank you so much, Ashley, for having me here today.